Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. And today is Share the Show Tuesday. Share the Show Tuesday is when we ask you, our loyal listeners, to share this show with someone you think is ready for the truth, who's sick of the mainstream media, who's maybe dropped out of listening to the news for a while, maybe share it on your social media. And it's a good time to tell you and them why we do what we do, because it is a little exhausting to follow the news. So much of the news, I would say all the news is there for a reason. 90% of the time, it's there to propagandize people so that they accept policies that they would not otherwise accept if they weren't constantly bombarded with a false spinning of the facts. And maybe 10% of the news is there because it really happened and they need to put their own spin on it. We try to discern between those, but mostly we feel like you kind of have to stay abreast of what they're doing. This is called the propaganda report. We are the Drive Time News Blast also, but the propaganda report, because we are reporting on the propaganda for a reason. They are pushing it into your kids' heads, to your friends, your coworkers, your bosses. Constantly, this is all anybody is hearing. And you might not believe any of it, but when people in your life, people important to you, people who can make a difference in your life, believe that stuff, you need to be ready and say, hey, Think it through, or you need to be prepared, or you need to know how to counter this stuff when your kids come home from school. I'm not saying that we need to argue with each other, but you have to know the truth or the purpose or something. Be a little bit armed because the people we love and ourselves were out in the world. So that's kind of our goal here. The uh, Another big part of what we're doing is making sure that we have a little community support So if you think you're the only one who can see through this bull, trust me, there are thousands upon thousands of people listening to this who are on the same page. So we like to do things like make connections, do meetups, um, just even the way we talk to each other at thepropreport.com or Patreon or Twitter. I'm at Monica Perez Show. Brad's at at Freedom Acts Radio. We just we like to keep the lines of communication open as a little bit of a support network if people in your actual physical area aren't on the same page. You made me think of something when you said arguing and asking questions. Something is not an argument when it comes to talking to people who disagree with you. If you're asking questions, it's just seeking out answers. Arguments are when people are stating declarative facts without providing answers to each other's questions. So I think that that's a way when you're talking to people who disagree to think about it. Well, that is true. So last week when I had an interaction with a nurse who was absolutely rude to me because she found out I wasn't vaccinated and she told me to look into the vaccine. And I said, I do nothing but research. Like I most I spend a lot of time researching it. I read all of the trials. I have absolutely researched it. Have you? And she literally just stormed away. (laughs) I was like, Okay, so I have a feeling that the more you press, the more you ask questions and you know the answers to them, the more you're going to find that the people who really don't see the truth are are not as well informed. So that's a that is a big weapon in the tool shed. And but we don't only talk about that, although COVID and the vaccines are the things that are really interfering with our lives right now. There are a lot of people behind the scenes. We always try to address who is they big T they and what they're up to. I think the Atlantic Council, Binkley, is one of the big they, if I'm not mistaken. And they are. Uh, they're, they're, they're up to, they're pulling some strings as we speak, are they not? 
Well, one of the main things that we're seeing this week leading up to 9-11 is that the main threat facing us is domestic terrorism. We've talked about this quite a bit. They're amping it up this week. And the Atlantic Council has a couple of articles out today that are talking about this domestic terrorist threat. Here's how they introduce it. They say, after the January 6, 2021 breach of the U.S. Capitol, the consequences of polarization, disinformation, and hyper-tribalism hyper make domestic political violence the most pressing terrorism challenge facing U.S. counterterrorism practitioners in the near term. And just as we absorbed the lessons from September 11th, the attacks by foreign terrorists, and must now implement a strategic approach to an emerging domestic terrorist threat. And the approach that they recommend is Biden, the Biden administration's national strategy for countering domestic terrorism report that they put out back in June, I think, which we have covered a good bit. That report or strategy talks about a whole of society approach, basically getting all of the citizens and businesses to be able to recognize signs of domestic terrorism and then report on their friends and neighbors who they think may be involved in that type of activity. And you can kind of decipher from that report who they classify as domestic terrorists, who they might classify as domestic terrorists. But the Atlanta Council makes it pretty clear as they go on to give you a list of people and activities that might be domestic terrorist-like. They say, the large number of current domestic terrorist investigations by the FBI nationally goes well beyond just those under investigation from January 6th. This indicates that there is a large pool of individuals in the United States who are somewhere on the spectrum between radicalization and mobilization, some of whom could act violently based on a number of ideologies and beliefs. The size of the pool is driven by a confluence of several factors that have not subsided in intensity in the aftermath of January 6th. These factors include, here's number one, anger over restrictions imposed in response to the COVID-19 pandemic because of outbreaks associated with variants of the coronavirus that causes disease and inconsistencies with respect to vaccination rates and other public health measures across the country. That's number one. If you're upset about that, you might be a domestic terrorist, like a Jeff Foxworthy book. So, so what they're saying is that because it's almost like gaslighting, which is such a weird word, everything's gaslighting, whatever, it makes you crazy. So when they tell you that 74% of the people who were in the outbreak in Massachusetts that led to the remasking were vaccinated, that'll make you crazy. When you see the reports out of Israel that say that the people who have had two Pfizer shots were more at risk or getting sick or leading to peak rates and therefore need boosters because they're sick after being vaccinated like that is noticing that and being angered by that is something that they consider to be it's like being in a mental institution and saying i'm not crazy like the more frustrated you get the more they're like see you're crazy <laughs> it's like wow exactly yeah they confuse you and then when you say i'm confused they say you're a domestic terrorist yes it's really i i can understand that the next factor the use of social media platforms to share violent extremist beliefs and ideas, misinformation and disinformation, despite recognition of and efforts to dismantle this dynamic by major social media platforms. So the continued use of social media platforms to spread what they are calling disinformation. Now, that is a very vague and broad definition. Despite the efforts of the platforms to dismantle that 
that unable to stop dynamic. It. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah they're unable to stop it. The third factor here is the ongoing efforts by some politicians, thought leaders, and foreign adversaries to stoke political and cultural divisions in the United States related to previous grievances like the disputed results of the 2020 presidential election or new flashpoints like critical race theory. Yeah, they are. They are doing these things on purpose. I wondered why they made it very clear. Elections always have serious, serious problems, but they made that very clear right away. And I think they're using a similar dynamic in the church. I think they're making Pope Francis. He's so bad. I noticed it from day one. He was always uh, sketchy, in my opinion. But now there are other people in the church coming out against him. I feel like we can anticipate. So I'm just pointing that out because you can see these things that you think getting pissed at is like your rallying cry. That's part of the plan. I'm not saying that means you shouldn't get pissed. I, I'm absolutely 100% for fighting things in court. Say so we do our election integrity update with Garland every single week as he fights a case in Georgia to examine Fulton County mail-in ballots. But doesn't mean that they're not trying to use that energy, that anger against us. I see it happening in a lot of areas from COVID to the election to the church. Right. Fourth one is the changing social mores and racial and ethnic demographic shift across the country, which further alters the landscape of, quote, traditional American identity and who we are as a nation. These are the factors contributing to what might be a domestic terrorist in this country. If you question the election, if you question the vaccine, if you do any of that on social media and if you're concerned or you express concern about the changing mores of it says culture. express concern about the can you repeat that one that doesn't say express concern what, what it does says it say just changing it. social mores and racial ethnic demographic shifts across the country which further alter the landscape of quote traditional american identity they put traditional in quotes to so they're saying that just the fact of changing social mores is an indication of domestic terrorism yeah, they're saying that is that is going to lead so to radical, the, the radicalization. Okay, because they're not of, saying the perception; they're saying the actual event. Which, of course, in my opinion, they do that stuff. They mix up cultures. I look at Sweden as an example. Sweden, if they needed immigrants, they could get them from Ukraine, but they actually fly them in from Somalia and Iraq. Like, why? It's yes. just in in my mind to undermine uh, cohesion in the culture, not to undermine some superior culture, just to undermine the cohesion in the culture. Exactly. I, I, they, they've always had just a final point on this. They have always kind of used foreign terrorism and domestic terrorism as uh, interchangeable. So Oklahoma City bombing and I think even the Boston Marathon bombing was they kind of wanted to decide either way, whether in, in OKC, originally it was Middle Eastern looking people. They, there was some indication that it was like Middle Eastern terrorism with the Boston Marathon bombing. At first, I remember Alex Jones reported that they were going to pin it on a 19 year old white guy. Um, and then they kind of ended up going with the terrorist thing on that. I have lots more about both of those cases I won't get into, but they also like to the extent they act like this radicalization, this stuff is just emerging organically and they're trying very hard to tamp it down. They it is there's a, evidence that we've seen before that they actually go out of their way to radicalize people. And if you're saying that there's they're going now from the radicalization stage to the action stage, I feel like that's a warning to us that that's where they are in their psyop. And don't forget, Merrick Garland was Johnny on the spot in OKC. And that was he is here now because he is there to address that he's the new AG, the domestic terrorist threat. 
Yes. And when I say express, I mean, when people on the right, Republicans, they talk about the changing demographics and that I think that is going to be another indicator that could get them classified as a domestic terrorist talking about, you know, Afghan immigrants coming over and whatnot. But they are talking about this Proud Boy event coming up. I don't know the exact date. It's after September 11th that they're saying is going to be like January 6th. It could be like January 6th. They're already kind of pre-setting the ground on it, getting people ready to to get arrested. So, so don't go to that. So just entirely fabricated after the it, yes. fact? Is that what it's, you mean by it exactly seems like, like January 6th? Right. Yeah. So don't go to that. If you're I thinking worry. about going to that, just don't go to that. It seems to me that anything that's ever reaches the level of an organization that is covered in the mainstream media, no matter what its origins, has been infiltrated and is being used against you. So, you know, like, I just feel like anything that has even the Oath Keepers, I used to love, they are they're targeted. And my guess is totally infiltrated. I would say that for anything whose name you've heard of in the news. Yeah. January, September 18th is the date on that. Don't go to that one. Okay, good. That's good advice. You told people not to go January 2nd, 6th. And I thought, well, you got to stand up for your rights, but you were 100% right on that. Just a quick update on um, the Operation Varsity Blues, which was the college admission scandal. We talked about Lori Lachlan from the beginning as, in my opinion, reading the FBI affidavit, I think you, uh, I think, shared that opinion with me. Binkley was that she was a victim of this guy. She gave $500,000 to his scholarship. Uh, the story never really rang true. Her daughter was supposedly a crew recruit, but she's like 90 pounds. So then it was like she was a coxswain on the crew, but they don't really recruit coxswains. So the whole story kind of fell apart to me. She really was about to fight the fight. And uh, eventually, after they said they're going to put her in jail, potentially for 40 years, why she would go to jail for something that occurred between a private scammer, a private university and a private individual. I mean, if anything, it should have arisen to the level of tort and not crime, in my opinion. But she uh, she for some reason succumbed and her like confession, her plea didn't say like I intentionally bribed whatever. She kind of said, I'm sorry that my privilege resulted in um, you know unfairness to other people. It was interesting what she was saying there. And I can't help but think maybe they had something on her kids or were going to attack her kids that finally made her and her husband capitulate. There are two guys who are not capitulating, though. They're actually going to trial on this, saying that that guy, that Rick Singer character, was a total con artist, duped them, defrauded them. That uh, it's a very interesting case. I am attaching here in the show notes the FBI affidavit. Plus our previous uh, work on the Lori Lachlan case, we're going to put it in our newsletter as the blast from the past this for September. So I just uh, I just encourage people to kind of not not believe the guilty before proven innocent kind of thing like these people they if you don't defend if you don't stand up for the people who are what i call sacrificial wolves the people who seem guilty the bill cosby's whatever you're not going to have any rights left so i really applaud these guys for fighting it i hate plea bargains i think they distort facts and perceptions they result in injustice they encourage double jeopardy and piling on sentence after sentence just to coerce and threaten people i don't like it so let's follow closely what these guys uh how those cases unfold. Let's hope it goes to the full end and they get exonerated by the trial. And you were right about Bill Cosby before anybody else was. He certainly changed my opinion or informed me on the case. I was not informed on it. And I think he was a blast from the past in uh, in a previous newsletter. Certainly, he's the featured picture in my glossary term, sacrificial wolf. So we've done a lot of work on Bill Cosby, too. 
So a Rutgers student, a 22-year-old from, who goes to school at Rutgers, he's been locked out of his email and his other accounts, and he's told that he needs to be vaccinated, even though he has no plans on going to school in person. So Rutgers has a policy that differentiates between students that take only online school and go to classes that can be taken only remotely. So if you even have the option of going in person, then you must be vaccinated, even if you choose not to go in person. Now, this kid has a request for an exemption, but the school says it's going to be two to four weeks till we can make your tell you whether or not you're going to get your exemption. And he's not going to be able to go to classes before then. And we see a lot of stories like this, and we've seen Rutgers actually pop up into the news before for this very reason, I say good. The more we know about schools that are doing this, that are identifying themselves as slaves to these mandates, the better, because the next time when, when the mandates collapse and the next time something like this comes around, we'll know which places and organizations will be the first ones that are going to bend the knee in the future. I think it's good to know what organizations, what schools are doing this. And I have a feeling that the schools that have not created a mandatory vaccination thing are going to have a a disproportionate number of applicants because, say, half the country is not vaccinated, but more than half the universities require vaccinations. Those other schools are going to get more competitive. Now, that's not great because it's going to be harder to get into, but it it, hopefully it'll increase their stature and status. So around here, we have one of the schools my kids go to said that they were going to mandate the vax after it was FDA approved. So I was waiting for that to happen because then you got to deal with it. And then we got all that press that the FDA approved it. And then we had people, many, many people have said, no, the FDA did not approve Pfizer. They just extended the emergency use authorization. And that what they did actually approve was something that doesn't exist. It was the Comirnaty, which is like a different brand of Pfizer straight out of the BioNTech partnership they have in Germany. Now, I read all the documents and it does appear that the FDA paperwork on Pfizer is an extension of the emergency use authorization, whereas the actual approval letter was for the BioNTech Comirnaty products, which is considered legally distinct, although biologically and chemically similar. Uh, So I just dismissed that as like a red herring, like you said, because I figure they're going to do what they're going to do. They've been saying it's basically approved since before that was even a rumor. However, this school did not yet mandate it. So I'm wondering if some people are taking seriously, maybe legal departments or whatever, are taking seriously the fact that that the FDA has not, it does, it appears it has not technically approved even Pfizer, despite all the mainstream media headlines to the contrary. It's a little tricky. And another thing that's interesting about the Comirnaty approval is that it requires years of additional study for known side effects, such as carditis and vaccine-enhanced respiratory disease vaccine-enhanced respiratory disease, like what they're experiencing apparently in Israel. So I just wanted to kind of correct the record what on that. What said that again? Not correct the record, but refine my position. Say it again. The comorbidity. Yeah. about the so vaccine-enhanced? There are two letters. One is the FDA emergency use authorization um, extension letter. And then the other one, which people are saying is the Pfizer approval from the FDA, is actually the BioNTech Comirnaty approval letter from the FDA. And um, that in that in that it highlights a few things, um, including that 
further study needs to be done even after they unroll this to identify and quantify the risk of pericarditis and myocarditis, which appear to be or definitely identified potential side effects of the vaccine, but also vaccine-enhanced respiratory disease, which is actually the subject of an objection that was filed against the trials alone, not even the, the rollout, but the trials, because trial participants were not in any case made aware that all coronavirus vaccines of any um, platform, so a protein subunit, viral vector, mRNA, any of them, any of them, uh, for decades now, it's been known like RSV, that little baby respiratory disease, that vaccines can actually make you more susceptible to even slight variations. So you actually get sicker if you got the vaccine and there are slight variations out there. And that's really, I think, what they're experiencing in Israel or certainly that's a concern. And that's what these letters are saying. You have to continue to study these things, despite the fact that we are giving you approval. I guess that's called like a phase four or phase five trial where it's actually been released. And many, many drugs have been pulled back after FDA approval once a wide enough segment of the population starts exhibiting side effects. So it's not unheard of. And I just I, I suggest people really read those documents. Maybe I'll find them and put them, those in the show notes, too. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask questions, to ask doctors questions. It might be a little bristly, but don't be afraid to ask them questions That's about true. stuff like this. I do need to make a correction. I said last week that Joe Rogan was vaccinated. I misheard him on one of his podcasts. I thought he said that he was. Turns out he said that he was going to get it and he ended up not getting it that particular time. We had a, a patron who let us know. So thank you for yeah. that. And it's unclear whether or not he's vaccinated or not. He doesn't seem to have made it public. Some speculate that he is. Some speculate that he is not. So my apologies. I did not mean to misinform there. So it's unclear well, I, I Joe actually, Rogan is vaccinated. I looked into that, too, and it's unclear to me whether or not he's vaccinated. But this is all part of what I'm for now calling Operation COVID. And I believe that there and if people are interested in the 2017 SPARS, S-P-A-R-S document from Johns Hopkins, I can put that in the show notes as well, where they actually highlight in advance how the next pandemic or or a scenarioing out pandemic where they had questions like this. What if a famous person refuses to get vaccinated? What if he denounces the vaccinations? What if it's you know unclear? So a lot of these things that you've seen as stories fit this pattern of them just trying to test the waters of propaganda and public reaction. It seems very much like a media experiment, um, a psychological experiment. Very interesting. Before we get to our last big story of the Free 30, where I do want to talk about how how sinister Operation COVID really is, I, I, got, I did some deep diving into some U.S. Army documents about bioweapons and genetic engineering. I'm going to read you some passages from that before the end of the Free 30. But after that, we go into the Patron 15, where... Uh, Binkley's going to tell us how seriously Britons really take their television watching. They're kind of snotty for for being TV-aholics, but it sounds like they take that as seriously as they take everything else. And why I burst out crying, this is a little personal thing, I burst out crying at a wedding attend I attended this weekend 
but it's not the reason you would think. So I'll give you a little personal stuff. Maybe some of the wonderful contributions our patients have made to some things they use for natural health and uh, other comments that they have made, other resources they've led us into as far as how to stay healthy in during Operation COVID. But before we get to any of that, we would like to thank one of our sponsors, a fellow Liberty lover who, as a labor of the love of liberty, sells really hilarious and clever T-shirts. And he even has a clever ad, which we love to play for you. So let's hear it. Do you love freedom? Does the daily news leave you shaking your head? Does mindless conformity give you the heebie-jeebies? Are you surrounded by people who just don't get it? Are you right now wearing clothes? You over there, yes, you. Do you like cool clothes? Well, meet the Rye Guys, makers of fun, freedom-loving t-shirts and more, quality products for independent thinkers and other such troublemakers. We make each of our handcrafted tees with equal parts satire, mischief, and Rye social commentary. Put on one of our tees and you'll meet kindred spirits, share a laugh, and enjoy great conversation. Take off one of our tees and, well, we're not here to judge you. We support liberty, peace, and voluntary solutions to societal ills. And you have our word, our products are never tested on animals other than sacred cows. So, stop by today at www.ryguys.com. That's W-R-Y-G-U-Y-S dot com. Ryguys.com. The Rye Guys. A rye wit for today's shit. And when you go to ryguys.com, be sure to use Prop 10 as a promo code. You'll get 10% off and they will know that we support them and that our listeners support them. And we like that. Our sponsors, not everybody's willing to sponsor a show like ours, totally uncensored. And I mean, never hold back. Always say what we really think. So please support our sponsors and also support us. So we, most of what we do, we distribute free. It's called the free 30. You're listening to it right now. We put that on every podcasting platform. We get literally tens of thousands of downloads every week. We are getting the word out. We are spreading community and you or our subscribers help us do that. So we give a lot of paid content through Patreon dot com slash propaganda report and also rockfin.com slash propaganda report. But if you want that extra content, and you're not sure uh, if you're going to listen to it, every every single word of it or whatever, we really give an overwhelming amount of content. Consider subscribing, if only just to support all the free work that we do, because we are trying to get the word out. We do like to reach uh, new people, so we don't put it all behind a paywall. Most of it's free, but we depend on our subscribers to keep that going. So we'll do the work and all you have to do is pitch in. It's just $7 a month for the truth sponge level where you get all of our extra content with the exception of a couple of um, deep dive videos on Rockfin, but all our Patreon content, um, all the pure audio content, and you get that through Patreon, but it comes over on your favorite podcasting platform. So iTunes, Spotify, whatever for as long as we're still on those. So for $7 a month, you can do that. You get the free DNB as well as the uh, bonus, the kind of DNB Supreme, let's call it, the full 45 minutes commercial free, as well as featured Friday interviews, patient-only Q&As, the whole shebang. So please go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and consider the truth sponge level, only $7 a month. And with that, on to the last story of the free 30. 
So, Binkley, I don't know if you saw this. It's on our... Uh, someone messaged us on Patreon. We really have a great community there. We get a lot, a lot of information from all places in the country. And so I got a message on August 23rd from a patron. This is what he says. Hey, my wife's college friend and her family traveled from Pennsylvania to Sturgis and they all got COVID, all of which are too sick. Luckily, there are five of them and they're all unvaxxed. I jokingly told my wife before they went that I wouldn't go because I wouldn't doubt if they just release it in the air there at a gathering like that. But it's what's funny and crazy to me is that we live in a world that that is actually a possibility. Thank you guys for all you do. I listen every day. So that was August 23rd. And honestly, like I am beginning to think that as I read more and more stuff about biowarfare, bioweapons, how it works and the history of the U.S. government spraying U.S. towns without their consent with infectious agents, with antigens, really, really scary stuff. So that doesn't like that doesn't blow my mind that September 4th, I get another message from this guy. OMG. So we talked to that friend who went to Sturgis to see how they were and they're okay. Thank goodness. Um, and they said they know where they got it. So apparently in Sturgis, there were homeless people or people who looked homeless, but with earpieces spraying something. How crazy. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Did he say you know? what they were spraying or no, where they were spraying? He said he was spraying people, spraying people. Spraying people. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I know. So that's what I always said. Like, I, I, I think that if anything is infectious or it passes from person to person, like, I don't think that ever really was a thing in nature like that. Um, but I believe it's possible that that could be a gain of function thing that they've been working on in bioweaponry for at least 40 years, if not 60 where something like a viral vector, like the viral vector that are in the vaccines of Johnson and Johnson or AstraZeneca, like those, they take viral vectors, viral like pointy things that will enter into your cell and deposit genetic material, genetic material being what a virus really, I guess, is. And there are plasmids. It's like gets very complicated. But I think that they if to the extent anything could ever really be firsthand infectious, like in your face. They're working on contagious vaccines. I think that that could all be true. And I stumbled upon a 20-year-old document called uh, Next Generation Bioweapons, the Technology of Genetic Engineering Applied to Biowarfare and Bioterrorism. And that's a U.S. Army document. And uh, very interesting. So just a couple of lines from there. It, that are interesting, just two lines that I thought were interesting. They quote Stephen Block, a biological warfare expert, who says that uh, you could get qualitative differences from natural viruses through genetically engineered pathogens that could be made safer to handle, easier to distribute, capable of ethnic specificity, or able to cause higher morbidity and mortality rates. So they could literally target one ethnicity over another. There was talk of that when this thing yeah. first started out, out of China. There was yeah. talk And South Africa that. absolutely had programs like that. 
Then you said another. that was in Sturgis, right? Where that biker rally was. Yes. So when I was at Freedom Fest, it's in South Dakota. It's not too far from Sturgis. Sturgis is a, a town where they always they have the biker rally. There was a very nice Harley named after that place a while back. My brother had. And um, so, yeah, they all go there and it's just, you know, open air and nobody's worried about it. And of course, that would be the place. So I think there was a recent libertarian gathering where a lot of people got it as well. And I can't help but think that they target those places. It's so. interesting. There's a headline just popped up from the Washington Post, what the Sturgis rally shows us about the Delta variant. Wow. What does it show us about the Delta variant? I don't know. I haven't read the article yet. I just saw it pop up on my screen right after you read no the story. No way. That's why, that's why I asked. You didn't yeah. search for it? Well, I typed in Sturgis and it was the right. first thing that came up right. and it was out, came out today like an hour ago. Wow. Wow. I'm going to read this and maybe tomorrow or in the Patreon 15, we can find out the answer to what they're saying it does teach us. Yeah. All right. So here's the last thing I got. One of the paragraphs in this document, which is in the show notes, stealth viruses. It says the concept of a stealth virus is a cryptic viral infection that covertly enters human cells and remains dormant for an extended time, but can be signaled by an ex triggered by a signal from an external stimulus that will activate the virus and cause disease, kind of like shingles or cold sores or herpes where they lay dormant until something triggers them. That's what they're saying. I'm not sure that's. That's exactly how that stuff works, but it could. Uh, okay, it says the vast majority of viruses do not cause disease, uh, but as a biological weapon, a stealth virus could clandestinely infect the genome of a population. So the vaccines are, see, they're talking about genetic engineering here. The genome, these vaccines do insert genetic material or instructions to create genetic material. Who knows if it's something stealthy? It says later the virus could be activated in the target population or a threat of activation could be used as blackmail. Oncogenes are segments of DNA that when switched on can initiate wild cellular growth and misbehavior, the hallmarks of cancer. Some viruses have segments of DNA that can mimic oncogenes and directly or perhaps through bioregulators can cause cancer. These changes may take years for clinical effect, but the concept may still be considered by bioterrorists, especially if the bioterrorists are your own government and they have a plan. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But when they're talking about that stuff, it makes, you know, given how weird this whole Operation COVID is, I it wouldn't put it past them. And our pathocracy to use pathogens against us. I think it's interesting that they say that a possibility is that they could threaten to activate it. Tell a population that they've been infected by something and then threaten to activate it. That well, is interesting. Who knows? So uh, a couple of quick things, a couple of wraps. One is I we got turned on to a really awesome special needs foundation out here where um, my family participates and these are really like clear thinking people, which is a bastion of hope for us here in Southern California. So I just wanted to encourage people, shamelessly encouraging uh, people I like to vote for these guys. It's Club Maui, M-O-A-I. If they go to Dragon Kim Foundation, I'll put a link in the show notes. You can vote for Club Maui. They do great work here. And all they need is an upvote to be included in the program in the future. So I appreciate that. And then we have a new sponsor, Drum. 
drum.date slash prop report, which is a dating app. They got a great showing from our discussing them last week. They got an unusually high proportion of women, but they still have more men than women. So gals sign up for that and you get to pick people kind of like-minded people who have the same values preferences. That's drum.date slash prop report. Did say that we drove a higher number of women than I think they usually get in that arena. So I think that that's, I think we, we brought a lot of women to the table. Yes. And, and we also have a nationwide reputation of having extra good looking people. We do. We do. Definitely. So that's good. You can expect that. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, you guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at the propreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post to DNB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and join up there. We will talk to you all tomorrow or in the patron 15. Have a fantastic rest of your day.